0: Welcome to Digging in the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist dharma and explore ways to bring these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the Online Dharma Institute. And I'm
1: John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight Meditation Center, and mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher and teacher trainer, and founder of Space to Meditate. <music> Greetings, Doug. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing all right. How about you, John?
1: I'm here. I've, I was uh, reborn this morning. You, I woke you were. Up. Yeah. <laughs> reborn every morning. Actually, I was reborn
0: just, just a minute now. ago.
1: <laughs> Especially after this
0: cup of coffee. Yeah. yeah it's kind of amazing. <laughs> I didn't know that coffee had that power, but I guess it does. Oh, of the- course it does.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, if I just had this coffee, I'd, I'd be a new man. You, you would be. <laughs> so... Yeah, we're dropping hints that the topic today is rebirth. Rebirth, yeah. Which we swear that we've talked about before, but we couldn't find the episode. And, you know, we'll come at it differently today anyway, because we've all been reborn
0: since then, <laughs> depending on your view of rebirth. That's right. Um, I think, yeah, I was going to say, I think before we what we discussed was secular, secular Buddhism, which sort of is a kind of a talk about rebirth as well, but... In what sense would we have taught? I mean, I, that's that I don't remember. As a secular Buddhist, how how does it... Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm the secular Buddhist, I guess I'm the secular Buddhist here. Um, it's, you know, I mean, secular Buddhism is a, in a certain sense defined, you know, as sort of uh, setting questions, uh, speculative questions such as those on rebirth to one side. Mm. So that, you know, that, we, that we're more interested in a this life practice and... If we're reborn, then okay. And if we're not, then okay. But what we're interested in is, is focusing on this life practice. Now, you know, that. so that's just, that's you know, sort of related to the question of, of rebirth. Yeah. I mean, but then there's the whole definition of what rebirth is actually referring to.
1: Yeah, that's well. the other question. So, and, that's the, and then there's the, the, because, you know, some people equate rebirth and reincarnation as the same thing. I'm not sure that it is. It depends what you mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean,
0: definitional questions, uh, like right?
1: Because sometimes it's like, well, I'm going to be reborn as an alligator,
0: you know, or
1: mm-hmm. I'm going to be reincarnated as an alligator. But then there's, you know, we we use those words like incarnate. I guess when in the Tibetan tradition, like there's a how how does that you know where they where they're seeking the next
0: Dalai Lama that's like an incarnate.
1: Not at all familiar with those traditions and how that plays out. And of course, when the Buddha was asked about what happens after death, he, that was one of the questions he didn't answer, as I
0: recall. Well, only only for arahants, only for enlightened beings, because there is a que- you know the question is once the enlightened being has be- has that once the being has become enlightened and is no longer going to be quote unquote reborn then what happens to them do they right. not exist do they exist or both or neither and he refused to answer any of those as as correct you know yeah. and so left that question open but certainly from a traditional perspective if you read the early texts the buddha is, is explicit that you know people are reborn in the sense that they you know they enter a new womb And it's not the same. It's not literally the same consciousness. It's not literally the same mind, because as we all know, the mind is always changing. The Mm -hmm. consciousness is always changing. There's always a new set of aggregates every moment. But it's the same stream of causes and conditions um, that are karmically related. Right. So that the whatever actions we do in this life or in past lives are going to be realized if not now then in a future life that i mean that's that's the traditional understanding that you find you know explained over and over again in the early texts and i certainly do understand you know uh, from you know speaking as a as a secular uh, pr- practitioner i certainly understand when traditional Buddhist monastics sort of, you know, want to sort of emphasize that point. And say, well, look, you know, when you read the early text, that's what it says. And so, yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it, does, well, it does say that.
1: And then the, the night of the Buddha's awakening, he went through all of his past lives. He recalled all of his past lives. That was part of that.
0: Yeah. I don't know that he recalled all. He doesn't, I don't know that he said he recalled all of them. He just said a beginningless number. I mean, it's just sort mm, of like, right. you know, so, it's not clear. Um, right.
1: And there are all these wonderful tales, right? The mm-hmm. tales, which which are Tales of his past lives, and and he wasn't mm-hmm. always, and those past lives included, you know, being birds and and other things. I mean, he wasn't always a human in those past lives at all. Right, right. And then um, some
0: of those Jataka tales were taken over from previous tales that were, you know, existed in other traditions. I mean, they, it, it, the Jataka tales is kind of like a basket of these these stories. Yeah, they're, um, wonderful. Yeah, they <laughs> they're wonderful. Yeah, they are. They're wonderful. But in, you know, in practical terms,
1: I think that's the way i look at it is like well okay when we talk about the fifth of the five reflections of being heir to our karma and, and born of our karma and everything that we do all of our actions are what go forward basically well they go forward into our next life but our next life could be in this moment
0: mm-hmm.
1: or in the next moment you know it's like sure. so it's like i really love the notion of I mean, and it works for me. I mean, just like recognizing that in every moment I'm, in a sense, reborn, mm-hmm. and in one of those moments in the future, the rebornness will not be in this body because this body will have decided it was had enough, you know. And it's like so. Then what gets reborn in that moment is the karma that I've accumulated up to that point, or the karma that the karma that hasn't been come to fruition. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's what will move forward. <clears throat> and how that moves forward,
0: that's what we don't know. I mean, really. <laughs> right. And there are different ways of holding that. Um, you can hold it, again, from a traditional perspective where you are, you know, literally, there is another you somewhere. <laughs> you know, in other words, of course, it's not literal because even the Buddha said that, it. you know, if you think of it in these terms, it's not really literal. Yeah. But, uh, you know, bracketing all these kind of difficulties for a second, you know, I mean, there is a sort of a more traditional understanding where you're going to be reborn as a something or other. And then there's, you know, a less traditional understanding where your karma certainly succeeds you into the rest of life, you know. So if you lived a, a beneficial life, the karma that you have accumulated is going to make the world a better place after you are gone. I mean, after this body is in a tomb or, you know, in little pieces everywhere, the karma that has been accumulated, uh, whether it's good or bad, is going to uh, perfume the world. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice way of putting it. Perfume the world. I like that, Mm. Yes. (laughs)
1: Good. Infuse the world or imbue Mm -hmm. the world. Yes, absolutely. And in a way, it's like, uh, it's it's funny what you, you say that. It's like, it'll do so without your name on it.
0: <laughs> mm, exactly. Right.
1: Yeah. As opposed to, you know, the, the Carnegie's and the Rockefeller's and the, all the people who have their name on buildings, you know, uh, the, the, the perfume that succeeds you will not have your name on it, but the actions will be present
0: mm-hmm.
1: or the actions will be known. And, and,
0: uh, or maybe they won't be known, but I mean, right. some of them are known, yeah. but a lot of them, yeah. you know, may not
1: yeah and then there's you know the the when we talk about the realms of existence and this may be also a a moment where we touched on this before you know these hell realms and the animal realms and the realms of the hungry ghosts the asuras and the devas you know and the human realm it's like okay so we are born into these realms but but these realms we are born into all the time I mean you can go through all of them in one day if you're depending on <laughs> if you're how your day not. is going. yeah, um, And some of them we may stay in for a while, you know? Mm-hmm. And in those moments, you know, are you even aware of it? And if you're in the human realm, of course, you are aware of it, but you're still stuck there, stuck in the realm of the hungry ghost, always wanting more until you recognize, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> I've got to get out of here or whatever it is that happens. Uh, I think it's a really, for me anyway, it's it's a very, it's very useful and and impacts how I live, recognizing that not only am I reborn in every moment, but anybody I'm with is also having the same experience, although they may not be aware of it. And I'm not even aware of it, you know, except knowing that, and this harks back to the conversation we had last week around precepts, you know, if we're not practicing the precepts, you know, then the likelihood is that some of our karmic actions... We're not so good. Some of our actions were not so skillful, you know, and and how is that impacting my next life, as it were, Mm -hmm. or this life that I've just been reborn into? So, for me, it's just this continual moment-to-moment rebirth, in a sense.
0: Yeah, and I think it can help us to sort of relax around the idea of identity, self-identity and the identity of others, to Mm. see the world in terms of continual rebirth and renovation and that every moment is a new moment rather than seeing it as I'm the same person I was yesterday right. you know which which le- you know tends to you know, can tend to make us sort of harden around our own good and bad qualities or you know I'm a bad person I'm a good person I'm a you know whatever it is however yeah. we we describe ourselves if we think of those in terms of continual rebirth and you know renewal and ending you know and and death a, a death and a rebirth you know that allows I think for us to perhaps see ourselves and and again see others in a more fluid way and a less you know stuck way.
1: <laughs> yeah, indeed. And this you know this is not necessarily unique to Buddhism. I mean, this model might be, but I think even if we look at other Traditions, other religious traditions, you know, are we reborn in heaven or are we reborn in hell? You know, and at any moment, of course, or or do we go to heaven or do we go to hell? <laughs> I think, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I suppose, I'm in the more uh, Christian view of it, but we can enter a hell realm at any time, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's that hell realm that I'm much more concerned with than whatever happens next,
0: um, right. And what am I bringing to that hell realm that, you know, may have an impact? Yeah. Well, I mean, the precepts, as we were discussing before, I mean, is that's one of the the reasons to look at our action at the at the quality of our intention, the quality of our action, is you know, I mean, because we we want to live a life that's relatively free of dukkha, <laughs> and you know, if we're always engaging in Hate-filled and greed-filled actions, we're liable to end ourselves up in "quote unquote" hell, "quote unquote" in the sense that in this moment, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah. we're going to be falling into the same yeah. into yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I have a <clears throat>
1: a day that I'm teaching tomorrow. <clears throat> well, it won't be tomorrow when this podcast comes out. It would have been last week when this podcast comes out, uh, and it's it's based on the class I was teaching all fall, which was called "Finding Joy in the Refuge of Uncertainty." And it's like, well, ref, since how does uncertainty become a refuge? And uh, the more, I've, Mm. you know, so what would the opposite of that be? The refuge of certainty, does that even exist? And would that be, would the refuge of certainty really be a refuge? And, you know, because if certainty doesn't exist on any level, because things are always changing, including... I don't know. It's just, it's an
0: interesting question. I don't have the answer. mm. It's just like, mm. hmm. Certainly the Buddha, I mean, presented the dharma as something that that he was certain about that it was that he had he was convinced by it because he'd seen it directly i mean it's a certain set of there's a truth
1: absolutely yeah, yeah yeah um but in terms For of other truths. other <laughs> other certainties mm. you know i will always have this home i will always be this ah, person yeah. i will always be mm-hmm. have this partner i will whatever the those certainties are the relative certainties of life right you know, That's a kind of dangerous place to be. And and whereas if we take refuge in the uncertainty, it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. wow. Okay. And so, you know, the uncertainty of what life we're going to be. Now, what is certain or can be certain, if we call that certainty, is if our actions, if we're heir to our actions and our actions that are what carry forward, then we can be certain that if our actions are unskillful, at some point we're going to be, you know, reborn into a hell realm mm-hmm. of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a certainty there, but then there's the uncertainty of all the causes and conditions that went into the intention that created the action. So it's like, and until we have the wisdom to see through that and see that clearly, you know, then we're going to be sort of in that realm of, of uncertainty. And, and it's in that realm of uncertainty that we really learn and, and start to, gain that wisdom.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think when you talk about the refuge of uncertainty, I sort of hear that as the refuge of change. Yeah. The refuge exactly. of anicca. Yeah. That that once you see change for what it is, you're sort of well, what you're really doing is taking refuge in the dharma. I mean, you're understanding the way things are. Yeah. You know, through because you under, you, you see that that change for what it is. I mean, you understand that things are not going to be stable that you're not going to be able to right you know. and that's not a bad thing yeah well it is what it is whether yeah. it's good or bad Yeah. Um, well I mean
1: but no I think that that's the problem is that we you know and, and here we're getting a little away from the original topic to some <laughs> degree you know but it's it is it is what it is but if we don't accept it as it is then we're going to be really suffering yeah. you know it's not the change that's the problem it's how we hold that change and if we take refuge on the change then it's oh wow you know, and in fact, you know, find joy, which doesn't mean we, it's not a matter of jumping for joy. It's a matter of contentment and, and ease. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, Equanimity. Uh, yeah. And so if we, if we are living life in that way, then every moment that we are reborn, will be like, Oh, Oh, now what, you know, what's mm-hmm. here now. And, and if sort of every, you know, and and I know that you know one of the lovely practices around this is this notion of you know as we in, as we breathe in we're we're being reborn as we breathe out we're sort of letting that moment die away, and it's sort of this continual being born and and dying. Every breath is a, is, a, is a cause of that, and we never know when our last breath will be anyway. So mm-hmm. it's like oh, and and if we never know when our last last breath will be we never know what our last words will be and we never know what our last thoughts will be and we never know what our last emotion will be so what do we want to cultivate in that you know do we want our last word to be kindly do we want our last thoughts to be wholesome and and filled with love or you know or do we want them to be something altogether different and mm-hmm. You know, when we start to to live our lives from that place, and God knows I'm a long way from there. but when we start to live our lives in that way, then I think things really it just enlivens everything. and that's that's exciting,
0: yeah. now, I mean, the other the other aspect of this just sort of occurred to me while you were talking is when we understand rebirth in this sense of you know, constantly this change in the self from moment to moment, change in the world from moment to moment, how does that fit in with the idea, the Buddha's idea that he was looking for an end to rebirth, that he was trying to overcome birth and death? That's That's the aim of the practice, is to overcome birth and death. And I mean, in a lot of ways, these are practices that are sort of coming to terms with change, as we say, uh, accepting change, accepting uncertainty, uh, and that once you accept uncertainty, then you get beyond uncertainty. Right, exactly. Once you you get beyond change, you get... And so a lot of, to me, the sort of the heart of the Buddhist path is one of an acceptance of death. For sure. Because once you accept it, once you become... Yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? You know, just happy... I'm not happy in the (laughs) the sort of ha-ha sense, but... At ease with with death, at ease with the the possibility of death, then you've overcome it.
1: Yeah, and that's why one of the synonyms for awakening is the deathless. Right, yeah. Yeah. And so, in a sense, as we practice, I mean, so yes, that's why that practice can be so, I think, so powerful, because, or just any of the death practices, Mm. you know, because it's like we lose our fear of it. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's just another transition into something else. And there's nothing to die, <laughs> essentially, or no one to die. And so, if there's no one to die, then what's being reborn? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then what happens next, we don't know, because he never talked about it. <laughs> sort of, like, once you've reached that level, right? You know, what is, what is there, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not like Arahants didn't respond. It's not like Aurons didn't have names. It's not, you know, they but there was something, or there is something in in the way they live their lives. As they well are there's now. no clinging. There's no yeah, clinging there's to no clinging.
0: clinging to anything.
1: Yeah. And and there and there's just the knowing of the Anicca, right? The knowing mm-hmm. of the impermanent nature, the knowing of the uncertainty. And you know the knowing of the uncertainty and the and the easefulness of the uncertainty, maybe even the
0: joy of the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, then the knowledge of the non-self. Yeah. Of the yeah, yeah. Selfless nature of all yeah. of these phenomena. Yeah. So good. You've helped me with my
1: talk tomorrow. Um, <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> That's uh, good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's really, you know, it's it's very hard to live our lives this way, but really, once we start to practice it, and we can practice it. You know, in our meditation, we can practice it as we're walking down the street. <laughs> uh, there there are some death practices, which, you know, it's just the acknowledgement as you pass everybody on the street that they too will die or, you know, it's like, we don't know yeah. when, you know, and it's like, if every step is potentially your last step,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're going to wake up yeah. in
0: that moment because you want to be fully present, hopefully. Well, there's a whole range of things. I mean, for instance, you you go from one of the central parts of the Satipatthana, the four foundations of mindfulness, are these charnel ground contemplations, yeah. which are really quite strong, and that most people nowadays, when you think of foundations of mindfulness, they sort of pass over that, but yeah. it's really one of the deepest practices. Yeah. But then also, you have a very uh, much, I would say, not necessarily simpler, but a more... A practice that's less about dead bodies, but just the practice of seeing the passing away of each moment. Mm -hmm. So we can attend, just as we attend to each moment's existence, we can attend to its arising, we can also attend to its passing away. So you can, you know, I mean, and I remember having done this practice a number of times and finding it really interesting, you know, just watch the things, watch the way they're passing away all the time. Yeah that every moment is always ending yeah um and that's a death practice in a way for sure Um, absolutely uh, yeah watching the endings
1: yeah very important practice as well as watching the beginnings sure so it's like yeah and and so you know as we as we really bring these practices in they're so rich and so important and it's, you know, it's kind of unfortunate we don't have charnel grounds, but it would be a mess if we did. Um,
0: <laughs> well, I remember you had some videos that you yeah, showed us in right. the classes. Yeah, yeah. I don't years, know what happened ago. to those.
1: My teacher sent them to me.
0: But maybe they but, were just online, YouTube. You could probably YouTube Charnel Grounds. and I don't know. You know, those things are probably getting demonetized. I don't mm-hmm. know if they're getting deleted from. But anyway. Oh, that could be, yeah. But it was just, know. you know, it was a yeah. picture of this guy that worked on
1: the Charnel Grounds. And he would just mm-hmm. go through sort of chopping up the bodies so the vultures could come mm-hmm. and have a, an easier time of it. And this was his job. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, in, in the countries that still have them, monks will go and sit. You know spend the night there as part of their practice mm-hmm. yeah, we don't have that opportunity for better or for worse, mm-hmm. but um
0: well, there are, you know there are other things that we could do yeah. to substitute if we really wanted to yeah, um, for sure, um and I, you know i you know it's not going to be something that's going to be for everybody, no. I understand, but I think it can be very helpful, to yeah, us, yeah. especially with a attachment to the body as 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 yeah. such. Because we tend to be, you know, we tend to identify ourselves with our physical bodies. Yeah. That that can be. A...
1: Well, I mean, just anybody who's spent time with somebody who's dying and maybe right mm. up to the moment of death sees that transition.
0: Yeah, you've done that. I've never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's
1: a very. It's a it's an important. First off, it's a privilege.
0: Mm, of course. Um,
1: and there is something that you you are fully aware of as it happens. And it, and it can certainly have an impact on, on your attitude, your attitude toward life and death and, and this body, you know? Right.
0: Uh, now, now, is that the Zen? Was it Zen center for care Contum- Yeah.
1: I mean, I, well, I, I that started there as, you know, but actually it was more after being with the Zen center for contemplative care that I just worked at hospice for a while, but even I had two students that died and I happened to be there uh, when they died. Mm-hmm. Um, And that was a real privilege. Um, It was completely, I mean, I was there to be with them, but I didn't know they were going to die in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Just one dear friend of my mom's, I happened to be at the um, hospice where she was there. And I was with, the family was, her family was all there. This is old, old family friends. My mom's oldest friend Mm. who preceded my mom and death by about six years at least. And, um, you know, I was watching the family s- stay there, and I just, I was, I was there with them, and I said, you know, just let her go, you know, let her go. And then she just, that was it. Mm-hmm. And you could sort of sense like so- something in the room changes, like in that very moment. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's a really, it's it, it's fun. I highly recommend it. <laughs> Mm. If you have the opportunity to be with a friend or a family member while they are dying, you may have to leave the room to let them die. But, you know, Mm -hmm. up to that point, you know, it's, as I said, it's a privilege to to be able to be there. Um, And in this, you know, sadly, in this country, we have this attitude toward death, which is not helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it doesn't help the rebirth, (laughs) you know, if you think of it. Because you know, we're trying to keep people alive, even mm. when they're ready to die, and,
0: and thankfully, I think it's changed. Yeah, but, the idea of death with uh, dignity, I think, is a yeah. to me is a very very important one. Yeah,
1: but now we're getting into death, and we were really talking about rebirth. So,
0: well, it's all related. Yeah, it you know? is all related, in fact. <laughs> yeah, so all comes around.
1: As we come to the end of this session today, I want to thank you all who have helped us survive with coffee mm-hmm. and invite others to buy us coffee because we get reborn every time we have a sip <laughs> and, uh, it supports our show. Uh, you can, you can buy us a cup of coffee or two or three or four or, or, become a come, or become a member at digginthedharma.com. You can leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. We always enjoy hearing from people and you can ask a question, which eventually we'll get to. Yep. Yeah. And I just have one other announcement. So this is being recorded on December 1st. We won't air for another week or so, but we have space to meditate. One of the my, my sort of daily sangha that w- was uh, formed about three years ago. We've just initiated a noontime meditation, noontime in New York uh, for a half an hour. It'll be guided. I, I won't be guiding it most of the time, but one of my team members will be. So if you're looking for a, a supportive place to practice with others online, and noon is a good time for you. If, I mean, and maybe if you're in Europe, that may be six in the evening. If you're in, in the West uh, Coast, on the West Coast, it's nine. If you're uh, in India or wherever, that may be middle of the night. But, you know, if it's supportive, uh, you can go to um, space2, the number two, meditate.com, and just join that organization, join that Sangha. It doesn't cost anything unless you'd like to. And it's just another opportunity we have. So we have eight a.m., a 7 a.m. sit, an 8 a.m. sit, and a noontime sit now.
0: Wow, great. Yeah. You guys are
1: yeah. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So options yeah. to support your practice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Until our next show. Yeah. Keep digging the Dharma. Thanks, and John. we'll see you next time, Doug. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on your podcast directory. And please check us out at digginthedharma.com where you can leave a comment, buy us a coffee, and even become a member. You can find out more about me, John Aaron, at johnaron.net and Doug at dugsdharma.com.